The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Hard to believe another Monday is upon us. And we head over talking to Ethan Bruland. He is with Trade Oz. As we look at these markets, I think we've got to start with the most obvious, Ethan. First of all, it was not a good day. Many folks had had some optimism that we might have seen kind of a good positive spin to the end of the day. But the markets kind of held tight and brought us some red on the screen once again. It did. And yeah, like you mentioned, there was a lot of optimism. You know, last night at the open, we saw the all, all three of the majors, corn, beans, and wheat, open higher, trade higher, kind of steadily through the night. Um, just to see beans close red, wheat close red, and corn close barely positive. So an unfortunate close uh, to finish out your Monday. And a lot of that comes down to there's a lot of obvious uncertainty here with weather. Um, the forecast right now, they're all saying wet, wet and cold. Those change every 12 hours, so it's really something we're going to have to watch and see um, what comes to fruition. I know as far as the forecasts go, the, the moisture is probably going to be the bigger bigger key to an up in this corn market especially. Uh, we all know the farmer's not going to hesitate to plant uh, their corn seed into a, into a cold soil if they get the opportunity. So pending moisture, again, planning is going to be the big key here in the next couple of weeks. You know, I was kind of watching social media this afternoon and starting to see just sporadic pictures here and there of planters in the field, but it just seems the conversation has been either it's too wet, too windy, um, even having some guys now talking about dryness moving in, which is hard to believe considering the amount of moisture that we dealt with just a month ago. It really is. You know, I'm, from a personal note, not really hearing more or much um, of the dry scenarios or worry, um, but it, it is the U.S. commodity market. There's going to be probably a talk. Whatever kind of spin anybody can put on this market that's a positive, especially when you're the producer or you're involved in it, you're going to take. Um, I know from a, a planning progress standpoint, it's going to be the expectation here today, too, is going to be that 15 to 20% on corn. Our average is about 35. Again, the market's not going to take really much of that into a major account until probably you get into the second week of May as far as a planning delay. So whether it be dryness, moisture, cold temperatures, um, we need to see probably the calendar move forward a little bit before that really pushes these funds. Uh, out of this this negative market. You know, this last couple of weeks, Ethan, everybody I've been talking to has all been kind of hindering on this May 1. Where we're at come May 1, how much planting we've got, obviously, in today's report. But they said May 1's kind of the the pinnacle, shall we say, where the markets might really start to take notice. And May 1 is Wednesday. It, it is. And I think it's just probably more psychological uh, as far as it being May um, from what I've seen and hear, and, and we're in a little bit different area here in Nebraska, um, but I think it's more probably another week past before, again, before you really start to see fear. That, like I said before, the producers, we're planting now. These soil temps are 50 today, probably going to drop below that uh, in the next week, but the acres are going in here. You get east of us and especially north of us, those are definitely the areas that as far as the cold temperature is probably going to make more of an impact. Um, but in speaking of to the north, you know, a lot of this one, I, I believe between North and South Dakota, there's supposed to be a million and a half acres of additional corn versus last year. So 
again, a long-term positive. They are extremely cold there, and and you're talking weeks away before they start to get aggressive on planting. And if we lose even half of that addition in acres, again, it should give us a little bit of positivity. But these funds are digging in um, hard. So it's going to take probably a little bit more than May 1 to, to start to force them aggressively out of that short position. Yeah, because you look at the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they had snow on the ground this last weekend. So it's going to, like you said, take some time to get things moving. It is. It is. And, and, you know, from a fund position, you're not going to be short the market 400,000 contracts if you don't thoroughly believe in that position. Looking at what you're seeing uh, from a soybean perspective, when can we start to hear more of that chitter chatter about beans versus corn acres? Obviously, it's still too early to predict numbers, but can we expect it to happen soon? I would think so. You know, we, we communicate a lot. It seems like a lot of the seed dealers, especially in our state, our area, are farmers themselves. Um, so we have a good relationship with many of those. And I, I try to ask that question without being annoying because I'm sure they get it a lot. But it doesn't seem like they, uh, from a seed dealer standpoint, are, are really even talking about it yet. So, again, I think you're probably into that second, third week of May um, before you really start to do it. You know, you might change your hybrid on on the corn seed but as far as really transitioning to soybeans looking at the prices nobody wants to do that today you're going to continue to try and see corn planted as much as they can whether again whether it be a change in seed or or uh, another option what's your thoughts on the export wire i mean it has been extremely quiet as of late and continued so today it has we've you know, our supply on the soybean side is, is not going to be fixed short term. Um, obviously, we, we continue to talk about trade and see trade. It's been, it seems like, well, last May is when this all started. And it's been an unfortunate trade talk from now until, from then until now. Um, even with a trade agreement, I, I honestly see this as a, the trade agreement as a long term fix. That's not going to fix our old crop scenario today. We have a lot of, of soybean bushels in the farmers' bins, a lot in the co-ops, and our demand is is soft, like you mentioned. And right now, from an export standpoint, based just on the dollar alone, the the U.S. dollar has been making highs here last week. The Brazilian real is making lows, so our U.S. bean is actually ex- not extremely, but it is expensive versus the South American product. And them coming right out of their harvest, theirs is the easily accessible commodity. So. From an export and a demand standpoint, the U.S. soybean market is just not exciting, but a trade deal should and and hopefully has the potential to change that. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to talk more about the grains and look into the happenings of the livestock side. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Ethan Brulin joins us with trade-offs. We kind of left off talking about the grain side of the market trade. Wanted to look at wheat real quick, and I think during the commercial break, you kind of hit it. You hate to talk negative, but there's just not a lot of positive discussions going on in this wheat right now. There's really not. You know, I, I pulled up a chart on, on May wheat. Uh, before we we started this, and it's I know I've seen it, and it's not a pretty chart, but we're two dollars and sixty cents off of last last August highs, so that market's fallen extremely, you know, fast. I know two sixty over an eight month time frame doesn't seem fast, but it just it doesn't feel like I've seen the wheat have a, a green consistent one or two day stretch. 
the market is extremely oversold, but the short-term weather pattern, as, as much as we want this rain to be supportive corn, that is ultimately negative wheat. And from the, an acre standpoint, you want to find the silver lining there, the positive. We could see some acre transitions here to the north of us if, if the weather you know, plays the negative long enough. But again, you're talking end of May probably until that happens. Um, another thing we're fighting is winter wheat ratings. You know, we're at 62% good to excellent versus last year at this time we were 31. So the crop is in a complete different position or um, condition as it was a year ago. We did start the, the 2019 wheat tour started this week, so we'll start to see some more probably updated and, and valuable data. But long term, there's not a lot of excitement, unfortunately, in the wheat market. Looking at, you kind of alluded to this before we went to break. We've got a lot of grain in the bin, corn and beans, and now they're going to be starting planting this new crop. What are some things that you guys at Trade-Offs want these producers to think about when it comes to getting this old crop marketed? Yeah, well, the first thing is we we try and take a a forward-looking approach. So a lot of the bushels that we have in the bins, um, they're hedged now, and they were hedged, you know, a year ago. So it's a lot easier and, and a lot more exciting for us to take a hedge off and sell 15 over or 10 over May futures, which is what ADM is paying now. So it's been relatively easy to make that decision when you see a strong basis if you make the futures decision, you know, at a completely different time. So, but without those people that have the hedges, um, I still think from a basis level, we are looking at extremely strong basis levels. You know, you're. Your Norfolk market is single digits under the May. Albion is at even. Columbus is plus 10. You get down into the south in the I-80 corridor, they're, they're even to positive the board. So basis is definitely trying to incentivate the farmer to move those move that grain. But I think until, as a state, until we see a lot of more acres planted, you're still probably going to see the farmer hold on to the grain in the bin and wait until they at least have the new acres in the ground. Jump over to the livestock side. I, I love this comment I read earlier on the cattle market, though, again, not on the positive side. It did talk about just treading water through the end of the month for this cattle market. And I thought, what a great description for what has gone on during the month of April for these live cattle. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the one thing you've seen, the cash market kind of fluctuate, but not near the volatility as the futures market. Um, the April contract is going to be irrelevant here after today. A lot of these cash prices are going to start to be bid against the June. And if we can keep a steady cash price from where we were last week, you know, you're looking 10, 12 bucks over the, over the June board, which is extremely good from a seasonal standpoint. Um, with, and it's probably going to keep your hedgers actively moving, um, those cattle. You know, I'm, from a producer level, if I've got a hedge on and I can capture a 10 to $12 basis, I'm going to do that every day. Uh, versus wait and see what the cash market did through April. It was pretty stagnant, like you said, sideways, kind of boring. So hopefully June, May, June shows a little bit more opportunity as far as cash. And speaking of cash, is it going to be picking up an activity? Hopefully the grilling season, you know, protein consumption starts to pick up to help that along as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you are, the demand on cattle has really been um, the front runner. Demand in, in a really poor winter obviously that those animals fought but demand has really been the kind of the major support on this market and the one thing our beef production is actually above normal um, as well as the demand is but with the what's going on in the hog industry protein is definitely going to be the the forethought and and i i know i get this question a lot if if that african swine fever hits the u.s 
I always get the question, I even ask myself, is that going to be positive or negative to market? And I honestly don't know what the answer is. You know, you look at uh, Mad Cow and that happened, the market crashed because everybody, nobody wanted to touch beef. And I feel like at some point, you're going to start to see that with hogs and that's only going to be supportive of this cattle market. On, on that note, though, we have to realize that the funds are, as of last week, are holding a new record-long position on cattle. So they, they obviously were bled out a little bit to finish last week, but uh, they are ex- still extremely long this market, and if things don't pan out like they expect, you might see some longer-term liquidation. Sounds good. What is the best way, Ethan, for folks to get a hold of the whole crew there at Trade Us? Yeah, you can give us a call at 402-858-7501. Um, feel free to stop in any of our offices. And, and probably the best way just to keep in touch and, and see us from a personal level, follow us on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.